Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Security concerns around a Hamilton high school. The 541 Eatery and Exchange is back. Fit Active Beautiful is making a difference. Brian Mello sings a new song. Get the latest info on tech and gadgets. And where will Shohei Otani land? The JMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. There have been, as many of you probably already know, two recent lockdowns at Bernie Custis High School here in Hamilton due to gun-related incidents. Uh, There was a verbal dispute. This happened last week between a couple of teenagers and a couple of people at a bus shelter near King and Caroline Streets. And uh, one of the teens involved allegedly fired a gunshot. And um, police say that no one was hurt, but added that one of those suspects may have been heading toward Bernie uh, Custis Secondary School, which went into lockdown. Now, police did arrest and charge the 15-year-old boy with multiple drug-related charges, but the gun uh, was not found. Parents, as you can imagine, and students are asking questions about um, how can we make this school safer? Maria Felix Miller is the chair of the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board, also the trustee for the area that Bernie Custis High School resides in, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Maria, good morning. How are you? Uh, Good morning. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Uh, This is a really scary situation for many students and staff and, and teachers and parents, obviously. What have you heard from parents and students? Yeah, so I I think that's absolutely correct, right? Two lockdowns, um, you know, in two days is is a lot. It's they're very stressful situations. Um, It's a lot of work for our administration and our education staff at Bernie Custis to manage those types of crisis in the school. Um, Their number one focus is always the safety of our students. They care very much about them. So so managing those crises in real time is really, really hard, Um, both on, you know, their workload, but also they're part of the Bernie Custis and HWDSB family. Um, And we absolutely recognize that um, the unknown um, is particularly stressful for our students going through a lockdown. Um, I'll say that I have actually received a variety of different complaints, um, or not complaints, but rather concerns um, around, you know, obviously the idea of increased security, of of how do we address these situations. Um, But there's also been another uh, few parents who have reached out to say, please don't do anything drastic immediately without taking consideration for the actual day-to-day environment in the school for my child. So would that drastic measure include, because some parents have called for increased security officers, metal detectors, are those being seriously considered? So I would say, I I would say to the public, that is a very drastic um, option and we're not there yet. Um, We do not want uh, our students to feel like they are going to an, an institution or a prison, for lack of a better word. Uh, we want to primarily their focus to be, you know, their educational experience, um, the community that actually ins- exists within Bernie Custis. Um, and I know that, you know, with obviously the news that break are always the drastic ones, right? They're the dramatic ones, two lockdowns in two days. Of course, those those stories are going to make headlines. Of course, they're very serious and we are supporting staff through that, but our approach would always be staff and person first in order to ensure that our students are still being at the center of the plan. Um, So, you know, we immediately had social work um, on the day of the first lockdown. Social workers were there on site 
offering their services. Um, and then we've been supporting administ- the administration team with, with extra staff. Is anything else being considered in terms of safety measures? Uh, we're still we're still working through that right now. So we're we're looking at it, but it would really have to be um, something that we consider kind of for a bigger picture system support, as opposed to just one school. Yeah, we don't exactly. So we we never want to just react to one school. And I will share with you know members of the neighborhood. Um, I I live very close to Bernie Custis. Um, I'm a I love Ward 3. I think there's no other place in Hamilton like it. Um, but the, the, the hard part is, is that often the school is dealing with crisis that's outside, as you just described, described in your intro. Um, you know, there was an altercation sort of downtown that moved towards the school. And as a result, that was uh, the reason for the second lockdown. So, you know, I respect very much that, that parents and that neighbors are concerned sometimes with hold and secures, with lockdown procedures, um, often it's it's something around in the neighborhood and we are taking, uh, you know, we move into a lockdown or a hold insecure to prioritize the immediate safety of staff and students. And even though they are absolutely uh, very stressful and traumatic events, uh, their physical and well-being is, is you know, top priority. Um, sometimes we are just responding to sort of, you know, something that is happening out in, in the neighborhood. Um, and unfortunately, I think that, that that kind of extends outside of just us as the HWDSB. I think that that begs a bigger conversation of how we manage, uh, you know, crime and and these types of incidents out in our community. Maria Felix Miller is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. We have a couple more minutes with the chair of the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board talking about recent lockdowns at Bernie Custis High School. I know that you and the board aren't planning any drastic measures. Parents might be of a different mindset. Are any threatening to pull their children from school, have them ver- uh, learn virtually if that's an option? What What are they uh, contemplating? No, I, I actually will say very honestly, I have not had a parent reach out uh, to suggest that con- that as an option for them. Um, what we have heard is that social workers in the school uh, were very well appreciated uh, and that they would like to see those kind of those kind of initiatives ongoing. Maria, I appreciate your time. Good luck with uh, keeping staff and students and teachers safe at uh, this school and every school here in uh, the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. That is Maria Felix Miller, the chair of the Hamilton Public School Board, also the trustee for the area that uh, encapsulates Bernie Custis High School. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Uh, After a month-long hiatus, the 541 Eatery and Exchange is going to reopen next week. This is a nonprofit cafe. It's on Barton Street East that serves free meals to individuals, and it's going to reopen on Tuesday. Justin Isinga is the executive director of 541 Eatery and Exchange and joins us on GMH. Justin, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Good to be with you. You guys closed four months ago. Why did you do so? Well, you know, the challenges in our neighborhood are like the challenges across many cities in Ontario. Uh, we had an un- a large amount of people who are coming in uh, into our, our premises who uh, experience a lot of complex needs and our staff were not really prepared to, to serve those folks well. At the same time, we also had to take a look at our uh, our internal uh, numbers and, and realize we needed to take a break to really assess how we could be around for the long term. So four months later, what kind of answers have you found to those challenges, to those questions? 
Yeah. Uh, well, we, we realized that we needed to provide our staff more training, and so we're excited to be able to provide more training to our staff that would allow them to uh, be able to step into situations that they might not have felt equipped for before. But we're also really excited to be partnering with uh, St. Matthew's House and the Canadian Mental Health Association and other organizations who will have access to a, a new community room in our space where uh, folks can uh, access some extra help that they might need. And so when it comes to staffing levels, are you're obviously where you want to be in terms of reopening and have them trained up and, and confident to complete the task. Yeah, we, we have a really great team. We're excited about the team that we have, but we also have uh, an amazing crew of volunteers. We've put out a call for volunteers and we've had folks who have stepped in from uh, who have experience uh, working in, in different parts of the city. And um, we're excited about the new team that we've got and uh, excited to bring more people on board. So if people are interested in volunteering, they can reach out to us. 541 Eatery and Exchange Executive Director Justin Zizinga is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. You mentioned the partnership with St. Matthew's House. How is that going to uh, address the challenge in our community when it comes to homelessness and those who need a meal? Uh, well, one of the, the unique things about this partnership is that um, St. Matthew's House is operating a warming center at the Anglican Cathedral called the Cathedral Cafe on James Street North. And uh, as a part of this partnership, uh, 541 will be providing uh, food two days a week to the, the warming center and uh, and also supporting their, their warming bus that they're they're. Uh, can be operating in partnership with the city. So this is really about mutuality. We, we see uh, partnership as, as something that we can participate in uh, as, uh, as an exchange of, of uh, assistance to those who need, uh, who need warmth, who need food, who need shelter uh, during the winter. I also understand you have an event planned for later on today. Uh, yep, we are uh, getting set for a big holiday market. Uh, we are celebrating our reopening. Uh, so from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m., uh, we have a holiday market in our space. Uh, there's going to be vendors who are selling all sorts of uh, fun gifts. And we've got a lot of exciting uh, holiday treats that we're baking up throughout the day today to uh, to sell to the community. And, uh, and everybody's welcome. We would love to see everybody there. Sounds like a fun time. How can someone either join 541 or offer financial aid through the purchase of buttons, which I know you guys sell? How can people get involved? Yeah, so, so we are a pay-it-forward restaurant. So the idea is that uh, folks can come into the restaurant, order a meal. If they, if they have uh, money to, to spare, they can uh, add uh, money onto their order, which then pays it forward for somebody else. Uh, so we invite people to come and join us on, uh, in, the, in the weeks to come at 541 Barton Street East. Uh, that's one way you can get involved. Uh, you can also head to our website, which is 541allspelledout.ca. Uh, and there's an opportunity to donate online or sign up to become a volunteer. And uh, that's those are just some of the ways that people can get involved. But we really just encourage people to come and sit around the table uh, and uh, and build community together with us. It's a great program and doing a lot of great work in this community. Justin, congratulations on the reopening and have fun later on today. Great. Thank you so much, Rick. Justin Izinga, the Executive Director, 541 Eatery and Exchange, 541.ca, all spelled out, not the numbers, the letters that spell 541.ca. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, each and every day this month, we are profiling some of the many amazing organizations that uh, get funds from the 900 CHML Christmas Tree of Hope campaign. 
and the Children's Fund. And one of those is Fit Fab Beautiful, a, a beautiful program here in the city. And here to talk about it is the Executive Director, Carol Edelcourt. Carol, good morning. How are you today? Hello, good morning. I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm fantastic. I know uh, I know all about this program, but there might be some listeners who don't. Tell us about Fit Active Beautiful. Yes, I would love to. Thank you. So I'd love to start uh, first and foremost by uh, thanking CHML for being such a strong supporter of ours for many, many years now. I think it's going back 10 years now. So thank you so much. Uh, So at Fit Active Beautiful, we are focused on helping young girls in the Hamilton community become strong women. Uh, We created a program for youth girls in grades 6, 7, and 8 that live in lower income communities of Hamilton. And we focus on developing their uh, goal setting and their self-confidence skills. And we're all about inspiring them to dream big and live an empowered life. Uh, The vehicle that we use is we actually challenge them to complete uh, and run a 5K distance race. And we are teaching them this over the course of 12 weeks um, with the support of all volunteer coaches. And they are uh, armed with their goal setting journal as well. So they meet every uh, week for 90 minute sessions uh, with their volunteer coaches and the other girls that are participating. Uh, we worked really hard to make sure that we're removing barriers for our participants as well. Uh, so how we do that is we make the program free. We cover the cost of any transportation and registration for any events that we're taking them to. Uh, We're providing that goal setting journal to them. They get healthy snacks at all of their sessions and the events we take them to. And they also have an opportunity to earn a new pair of high quality running shoes. Hmm. Uh, So since 2009, we've empowered more than 1700 girls in the community. And these girls have now walked away from the program, having acquired uh, these very vital goal setting skills that they can now use in other aspects of their lives. Uh, We've seen and they've demonstrated an increase in their confidence and their physical ability and activity as well. And in addition, all these other wonderful things that are happening of, you know, feeling a sense of belongingness and being a part of something that female empowerment um, and so many other things that uh, they're benefiting from and getting. So for our program, funding is how we work. So uh, there's uh, it's a team of volunteer board members. It's all volunteer coaches and volunteer committee members that are making this happen. Uh, so it's uh, donations such as uh, yourselves supporting us. Um, other donors and sponsorships is how we're able to function. Uh, and uh, obviously our uh, massive team of volunteers, so whether it's volunteer coaches or board members or committee members, as I had mentioned, is uh, how we're feeling to be able to offer this to the girls. It is a, a truly amazing program here in the city. 1,700 girls since 2009. That is amazing. Yeah, you're, you're impacting, yeah. And you're impacting many more lives than that. It's family members, it's friends, it's you know building that confidence. Do you see, and I'm sure you have, <clears throat> some or many of those 1,700 kind of come back to the program as volunteers? Yeah, it's funny you say that because just this year, um, so we actually piloted a high school program in 2014. And so this year we actually had five uh, volunteer coaches that were previously um, fab girls in the program. So they circled back and uh, were volunteer to support that next generation of girls. So it was a very touching year for us, for sure. Is it too late for girls in the community right now in grades six, seven, and eight to enter the next phase of this program? 
No, absolutely not. So our spring program runs from March the 25th until June the 14th. Uh, registration is going to open in about mid-January. Uh, so we will be doing a lot of advertising at uh, the schools and through other venues um, so they can find out how to register. But yeah, registration is going to open in about mid-January. I know the challenge is to run a 5K race, but yeah. they're learning more than just about running 5K. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's a daunting task. If you just kind of think of that, you or I, I don't know if you're a runner yourself, but no. I remember running my first one kilometer and that was massive. <laughs> so to put 5k in front of them, of a, it's so daunting and there's so many different hurdles and barriers that they're going to meet. And uh, through the support of the coaches and the other girls and the skills that were um, uh, teaching them, they're they're able to blow through this and watching them cross the finish line at the end at our five uh, k community run is uh, a pretty emotional day as well. It's outstanding. It's very inspiring, and I love it. It's my favorite day. Inspiring young girls. There is uh, something to be said about seeing them complete this challenge, gain that self confidence. Uh, you know, it, write down their thoughts and feelings in this journal. It's a really fantastic program, and I encourage our listeners, if they have a young daughter in grade 6, 7, or 8, or maybe even a family friend, uh, go to fitactivebeautiful.ca, get more information, register for the next session coming up. Carol, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, and uh, have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, you as well. Thanks again. Carol Elcourt is the executive director of Fit Active Beautiful. Again, online, fitactivebeautiful.ca. 1,700 girls since 2009. That is pretty cool. You can give where you live by donating to the CHML Christmas Tree of Hope campaign and the Children's Fund. Brought to you by Leggett Drive Life and Michael St. Jean Realty When Life Changes. Text the word DONATE to 30333. Make a $10 or $20 donation. Your donation will help programs like Fit Active Beautiful. 900CHML.com is the website to go to. You can also drop off a financial donation or a new unwrapped toy here at the radio station at 875 Main Street West. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This is a pretty sweet tune. Middleman is the name of the song and it is by Hamilton singer Brian Mello. Yeah, it's his latest single. And the gold certified singer from Hamilton and the Canadian Idol season five winner joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Brian, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm fantastic. How long have you been working on this song? Oh, man. I mean, I, I wrote that song um, maybe about almost three years ago now. Wow. And, uh, and I mean, I was just constantly just writing songs. I mean, in the last three years, I think I've written over, you know, almost 250 songs. So this was just one of those songs that I, uh, that I, I just always loved and, and, you know, friends of mine that heard it, encouraged me to record it. And it just, it fastly kind of became one of my favorites. And, uh, and I just thought it was kind of a, a, a great song to set the tone for, uh, you know, my first release in several years. So, um, so uh, yeah, but this one was actually a bit more of an easier process going into the studio because it was a bit more of a straightforward acoustic rock song. I wanted to keep it really rootsy, you know, I kind of get inspired by like, you know, the Tom Petty songs, that kind of middle America, you know, John Cougar, Mellencamp, those kind of vibes is what I was after when it came to um, the production of that song. But it all came, you know, fairly easy. It's called Middleman. I'm going to guess it's not about supply chain issues. What is the meaning? <laughs> <laughs> what is the meaning behind it? <laughs> uh, it, it was uh, it was basically, I mean, if, if if you go through through the lyrics, it's just this, this guy that has been uh, a bit put into... Uh, 
um, a bit of a, a rock and a hard place. You know, he, he has feelings for, for this woman. He's not feeling like it's being reciprocated, but she's, uh, she's always praising him and saying that she wishes the guy that she was with was, was more like him, but, but he's, uh, he's a little bit stuck in the friend zone there. So, um, so I, I think it you know, I, it's not, this one wasn't necessarily a personal experience, but sometimes I like to be the narrator of the story. And, and, and I've had, uh, you know, friends of mine that have been in that position and, and, um, and, and I just wanted to kind of tap into, tap into that, that situation and that energy. You mentioned writing, you know, 250 songs over the last number of years. Do, do you go back to songs and kind of tweak them? Like before you're recording them, do, do you, do you fiddle with them? Do you change them? Do as, t- as time goes by, do you think, Hey, you know, that might even be a better lyric or, you know, a better chorus? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as I've written, you know, and then, and gotten older and, and gotten more experienced sometimes you know the 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 real right is the rewrite where i'll you know i i might be kind of 80 percent there with the song that i think is really great but I'll, I'll revisit the song once or twice maybe even three times if if it's i've, I've, I've put my songs in in kind of uh, different stations or categories of, you know, my personal A-list, B-list or C-list. And, um, you know, if I feel that it, it's worth recording, then uh, then I'll go back and, and kind of go go through it with a fine-tooth comb with, uh, with the lyrics or the arrangement. And then, you know, the process that I'm in right now, you know, um, I'm going to be releasing some, some singles this year, but after that I want to release a, a full-length album. So I'm, I'm actually revisiting my catalog because – there's a, there's a lot of great songs that are kind of sitting there and some might have a really strong chorus. Some might have a really solid verse, but the other ones might feel mediocre to me. And if I feel that it's worth kind of revisiting, I will, or, um, or I might be in a completely different place and, and want to come up with fresh ideas. So um, it all depends, but I, I am always visiting new lyrics and if it's still hitting me um, after, after, you know, months or years, then, you know, it, it's worth maybe working on a little bit harder. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Brian Mello, gold certified singer from The Hammer, also the Canadian Idol season five winner, which I'm, I'm imagining must seem like a lifetime ago. Yeah. 16 years now. You know, that was in, <laughs> wow. uh, in 2007 and, uh, and, you know, a lot has changed, but, um, but it, it feels like a lifetime ago, but it also feels like it was just a few years ago, uh, because I mean, it's such it was such an emotional experience um, that you know I can I can relive it very quickly just because of just how monumental that that moment was in my life. But um, you know, just the amount of experience I've gotten since then, how much I've learned about the industry, and uh, just where my life is now, um, you know, a lot has changed, but. Uh, when I think back to to that time, it's such a, a fond experience, and you know Hamilton was such an incredible support system for me. You know, I, I was in, I was in such a bubble in in that during the show, and then you know I was a construction worker, you know, work playing local bars in Hamilton and Hess Village, and you know Corktown, and um, you know all Casbah, all these different places, and uh, to come back, you know, a few months later and have your 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 picture and your music all all over the city 
uh, is something that I'll never forget. And, and you know, I'm, I'm indebted to this city for the rest of my life. You know, and since then, you know, you, you, you go, you, you release a bunch of songs, you go down to Nashville in 2015, you strike up a new band, you're back in Canada, you're married, you have a, you have a child now, a son, Gabriel. Congratulations, by the way, you and your wife, Samantha. I mean, life has certainly changed, which is giving you, I'm, I'm guessing, a lot of new inspiration to write some new stuff. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, uh, you know, kind of going back to your question about the, uh, you know, old songs and revisiting, revisiting them. That's, that's kind of where, you know, um, you know, how, how, how far back do I want to go? And if it's, if it's not resonating with me now, um, uh, then, then I'll just kind of continue, continue to write and, and, and what's speaking to me now, because I mean, you, I mean, you know how it is in life. I mean, you're always evolving and you're, you're, um, you're experiencing different things and you can, you can evolve and change as a person, but, uh, but you're absolutely right. You know, um, you know, being married and, 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 and definitely, you know, having my son just five months ago has changed my life completely and my, my perspective on things. So, uh, so I'm actually really excited about, you know, the new batch of songs that I'll be writing because I'm sure it's going to be coming from such a, a different place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, some, some, this has actually been the longest I haven't written. It's been a few months since I've had my son where usually the longest would be maybe two weeks, but, uh, but it's actually a good thing. Cause I think I'm just experiencing life and, uh, and kind of w- w- without even knowing it, getting inspired for the next songs. Once, once I get back into writing mode, which will be really soon. Well, we're, we're loving middleman. And if anything else you come up with is even close to that, you're on uh, the right track, Brian, uh, congratulations on this hit single and good luck the rest of the way. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much for having me. Brian Mello, gold certified singer from The Hammer. And you remember him as the Canadian Idol season five winner as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Another round of Tech Talk with Adam Oldfield brought to you by Vacuum and Furnace and Duck Cleaning here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Adam, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Rick. I am doing well, thank you. Uh, another exciting week, almost uh, on our way to Christmas. I'm not going to lie. I'm getting giddy like a little schoolgirl waiting <laughs> in the morning. Oh, it's, uh, I'm excited. All, all the great things that are coming. Tech is such an exciting time this at this time of year because it's all the latest and greatest that are happening. And uh, yeah, I, I, we're, we're actually going to celebrate this Christmas. My, my wife, Michelle, and I, we got the kids coming over on Saturday. We're just going to jump into it right away. I mean, why, why not start early and get it, get it, get through the whole, uh, the whole holiday season, a little, a little jump started. Sounds like a little fun at the old field household. Let's jump into a tech talk today with some of the hot topics in tech, including meta unlinking Instagram and Facebook manager or messenger. What does this mean? Yeah, in 2020, actually, Facebook connected with Instagram. And if you use any of these uh, apps on your phone, you probably found it extremely convenient that if you were in Facebook Messenger, you could easily connect to anyone in your contact list and message them. You'll be able to go and it's like a kind of a one stop shop. And the vision behind it was Facebook was uh, stopping people from messaging in two different areas. So if you went to Instagram, you had those contacts. If you went to Facebook, you had those contacts. And then you were wondering what where did I message, uh, you know, uh, your family member or your friend? Well, what's happened is that under the European Union's push on privacy and on monopolies that they've really instituted, and, and honestly, Rick, they've been fined completely 
out of the wazoo uh, with, with all the violations they've been doing. Uh, you may notice in December, in fact, uh, as of now, you may be uh, struggling to try and message someone in one messenger. They've now disabled it so that you now need to go back to the old ways of going into Instagram and you'll have to message directly to your contacts in Instagram. At the same time, you're going to have to go to Facebook and message any of those individuals. Now, for anyone that you were messaging and they were connected, what they're doing is it will be a view only. And when, when I'm referring to that is you won't lose any communication you've had with the individuals. Facebook is claiming or meta is that you will still have access to those communications, but you will have to create a new message chat, if you will, with that individual directly through either Instagram or Facebook. So uh, you might have already noticed it, but just to be aware, it is no longer a convenient. I can now just message anyone in Instagram or Facebook through one communication. You now have to go into each app individually and that's because of the privacy issues in their uh, the 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 crackdown they're doing by the European Union. There is a new application for 3D printing and it's happening down under. Tell us about it. That's right. Yeah, the University of Melbourne have actually created this is nothing new. 3D printing with concrete where they're building homes quicker, faster, more efficient. That's been around for a few years now. What's unique about this new development is they're going to be putting in a graphene oxide. Now, graphene oxide, if you didn't take your science class and don't know where that is on the periodic table, uh, it is more or less the electronic components that are in our smart devices. <laughs> so it is a uh, connecting element that allows to, uh, you know, uh, link uh, the information between your software and your hardware. Well, what's unique about this is they've now connected the ability to have inside the concrete uh, the, uh, the this graphene oxide. And what it does is it makes it now 10% stronger. So it increases the strength of the 3D printed concrete. In addition, it now will offer the electrical conductivity, which will now mean that smart, think of it as a smart wall. Now, when you look at a concrete wall, uh, you, you know, just looks like concrete. It's pretty hard. You know, if you're going to need a sledgehammer, take it down. In this case, it now offers the ability that your walls could be smart. Now, why would you want smart walls? Well, in, to be clear, this allows for inspections. If you have a crack in your wall, maybe you've been in your basement. And you're like, oh, when that crack happened or uh, when did that take place? Or is, it, is the, 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 the property shifting or otherwise? This is going to give um, an aspect of knowing when your concrete needs maintenance, repair, or if it's been damaged in any capacity or any way. That is pretty wild. We have a minute to chew on the last one, and that is good news for people with diabetes. Yeah, the groundbreaking insulin secreting skin impl implant. Now, um, that is a big mouthful, but let me just try to summarize it. The University of Alberta and Cornell University have just revolutionized uh, a, a diabetes treatment. What they've done is when it comes to blood sugars, um, regular insulin injectors, when you're uh, you know, going through the general practice of checking your blood sugars or otherwise, what they've created is the ability of an anti-rejection uh, uh, reaction. So what's happening is in the case of even uh, having a, uh, an implant or say you had a body, uh, uh, your, your liver, Heart otherwise, what this does is it more or less reverses and creates the ability and the function of anti uh, uh, protection drugs that makes it safer. So you're not rejecting any of the uh, uh, the situations that are going on. So testing still going on, Rick. It isn't necessarily on the market. The revolutionary is uh, the fact that they've been able to show that this could 
help in many cases of those with diabetes could reverse type one diabetes um, to a degree that it isn't so serious uh, or could help actually maintain their blood sugar levels. Well, really amazing stuff. And it's all brought to you by Vacuban Furnace and Duct Cleaning, another edition of Tech Talk with Adam Oldfield in the books. Adam, appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, Rick. Have a great weekend. Speak soon. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. 13 MLB players in the history of baseball, which has been around for well, well over 100 years, 13 players have signed mega contracts worth $300 million. In total, that's not per season, in total. One player, Angel Slugger Mike Trout, is the only one to ink a $400 million deal. I think it's $423 million over the length of the contract. But even he, one of the best players of his generation, even he will likely be topped by his, what many people think, soon-to-be former teammate Shohei Otani. If you're not familiar with Shohei Otani, he's a Japanese baseball player who's been in the league for a handful of years and is both an elite hitter and an elite pitcher, something we have not seen since the days of Babe Ruth. The Dodgers are favored to land Otani, but the Blue Jays are right there. In fact, if you look at the odds makers in Vegas, Toronto's listed as number two after L.A., at least the Dodgers. But the question is, and you're probably you know formulating all these numbers in your mind, is he, is anyone worth the estimated half a billion dollars or maybe even more that it is going to take to sign him? Moshe Lander is a senior economics lecturer at Concordia University and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Moshe, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Half a billion dollars is a lot of money. Is is he, is anybody worth that kind of coin? If anybody's worth half a billion dollars, it is him. He is the unicorn. He has that dual talent that he can pitch for you every fifth day, and he can also be a regular hitter on a daily basis and uh being from japan he will bring a huge amount of press and exposure and advertising money uh it's 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 impossible to imagine what half a billion dollars is like uh (laughs) but if if anyone's worth it it's him whenever a baseball team or any really pro sporting team or any business really is is looking at acquiring an employee there's a return on investment. What kind of return are we going to get on this investment? When we look at half a billion dollars over the length of what is probably going to be a 10-year contract, $50 million per year, it, what is the return from the baseball perspective in terms of making that money back and then some? What, are, what would the Blue Jays in this example count on to get that return? Well, they should count on... Uh, more tickets sold, uh, 80 home games a year, uh, assuming that he's still productive for 10 years, that's essentially 800 games. Uh, if you get an extra, say, 10,000 fans at 50 bucks a pop, there's your half a billion dollars. So it, it is possible that he could recover that money. And of course, in the other 80 games that they play outside of Toronto, uh, they do get a portion of, of some of those ticket sales as well. And you can imagine that when he comes to town, it, it's the circus coming uh, and they're going to sell out almost anywhere that they go. The, the key is that he has to stay healthy. And uh, as we saw at the end of last year, he was not healthy. And so that's going to be the big risk then that, that teams have to factor in. They know they can get the return if he's healthy. But 10 years when he already has two Tommy John surgeries behind him, yeah. uh, that's the question. 
Yeah, he's not going to pitch by all accounts until 2025, but he can still hit a ton, and that is for sure. So is probably going to DH wherever he goes, at least for the 2024 season, but still obviously well worth the money given the output that he does offensively at the plate. We're with Moshe Landers, Senior Economics Lecturer with Concordia University, and you're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Shohei Otani, where is he going to go? The Jays and the Dodgers are, it seems, the two front runners. When we compare those two markets... L.A., uh, you know, a, a megapolis, a megatropolis, a, a Toronto, one of the biggest markets in North America. Is it apples to oranges or are they on the even uh, on an even uh, level here? Yeah, I, I don't think that they're on an even level. Um, I, I do think that L.A. is probably the more attractive market. The, the first part of his career was played in Anaheim, which is just an hour down the highway, assuming there's no traffic. Uh, but you know the one thing that we've seen about Otani is that he's extremely private. Uh, but when we do get a glimpse into his life, he seems extremely structured. Uh, I mean, I guess you have to be to to both pitch and hit uh, something that really hasn't been done in over a hundred years since Babe Ruth. Uh, And even Ruth only did it for a few seasons. Uh, If you're going to have that extreme structure, I don't know that he necessarily wants to uproot and come to Toronto when L.A. essentially offers him continuity. Whatever doctors, whatever lifestyle, whatever um, habits he has can easily be transferred one hour as opposed to a five-hour flight. Uh, And he would also have familiarity with the teams that he would be playing, even though he'd be switching over to the National League uh, because of interleague play. He has been exposed to the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants, the the Diamondbacks, which would be essentially his division foes now because interleague play, you usually play teams within your comparable geographic regions. So, you know, Toronto has a little bit working against it then from a purely baseball standpoint, from as far as what the city has to offer, I think. Toronto can compete very easily with LA, um, but of course there's there's also the issue of of travel, and when you're doing that much work, traveling out of Toronto is a little more complicated, of course, because you are traveling internationally, and even though they fly private, uh, you still have to deal with the border. And speaking of travel, traveling back home to Japan, your three time zones, uh, you know, uh, closer to Japan being in California compared to Ontario. Speaking of the business part of this, we know that Rogers owns the Jays. What impact would signing Shohei Otani have on their other business holdings? Well, I mean, they would instantaneously have the ability to create content. And really, that's what sports have become. It's about creating content as much as it is about creating sports. And so, you know, when you can create pregame, postgame, and when you can have cameras running 24 hours a day and create the equivalent of the the Rexham Netflix experience, but now you can do it with Otani, uh, this is the type of thing then that especially when you have uh, a um, media conglomerate behind the team, uh, that's the type of thing that can help. For the Jays, Two, remember that they have 162 games a year, and that means then that there's 162 nights of content that's created uh, right off the top. And so, you know, those are the types of things that certainly help the media part of the the Jays. Uh, it, it, it's all content. If you were a betting man, where do you think he lands? L.A. I, I, I think that it's great that Toronto has a chance, uh, and I say it's great because I'm not a Jays fan, so the great part for me is to watch them uh, get hurt. <laughs> they don't <laughs> land him, uh, but to get this close. But uh, I, I think that L.A. is too attractive, and I think, like you said, with the extra three time zones, don't forget these games are going to be broadcast 
uh, in Japan. Yeah. And there's a difference between starting a game at seven o'clock Eastern and seven o'clock Pacific time. And just I, I think it's too strong of a pull to stay where he is than up go, uh, uproot himself for 10 year commitment. I think you're right. Moshe, always an enlightening conversation when we have you on, uh, on the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Anytime. Moshe Lander, Senior Economics Lecturer at Concordia University as we dissect where in the world Shohei Otani is going to end up. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.